This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. The one constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. Welcome into Red Sox Beat on CLNSRadio.com. My name is Jess Thomas, alongside Lauren Campbell. We'll take you here for the next hour of not so much Red Sox coverage, because more baseball coverage as it is the MLB playoffs. Even farther in than we were last week. So we'll get you caught up here in Red Sox Beat on the last week's baseball, and where we are currently here as of Monday night. October 19th, 2015. So once again, this is Red Sox Beat. You can find us at Twitter at Red Sox underscore Beat, new Twitter handle. We need more than 21 followers, so please, please, please head over there and follow us. You can find us on Facebook at Red Sox Beat Podcast, Tumblr, and you can find us on iTunes and Stitcher, and we would appreciate it if you could rate, review, and subscribe to our wonderful show here. So no Jared Scally today, his computer is allegedly broken, and uh, so that puts me in charge here with my non-broken computer, and that is what we're going to do. So we are here. Lauren, how are you this evening? I am well. I'm ready to talk some playoffs. Woohoo! Woo! F1 playoffs it is. So we'll get to that in just a minute. But first, I want to let you know that this episode of Red Sox Beat is brought to you by Casper, an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the price because everyone deserves a great night's sleep. Get $50 off any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash Celtics and enter promo code Celtics. And I believe my friend over here, Lauren Campbell, could use one of those Casper mattresses currently, because as of show show time here, it is 11.31 p.m. So she needs some sleep. So how about Casper, right? Absolutely. Why not Casper? Right. They're the best mattresses. They're, They're soft. They're comfortable. You've even heard in past shows that it's like sleeping on a cloud. So, Lauren, an hour from now, sleep on a cloud. All right. Uh, I plan on it. <laughs> so there you go, Casper mattresses just for you. Casper.com slash Celtics, promo code Celtics. Celtics, Celtics, Celtics. But this is Red Sox, so forget the Celtics currently and their uh, their hot streak in the preseason of being 4-1 so far, but that's for another day and another time. You can listen to me on Celtics post-game shows. Once the season starts, we'll get into Celtics, but for now, we'll stick with baseball, as we will do all off-season long and into next season, and hopefully after next season. Hopefully it doesn't just stop <laughs> there in, a, in the next season. So enough of my gibbering and jabbering. Let's get to some reached questions. How's that sound to you? I like that idea. All right. Good old reach. Got some great Great questions, great answers. Sorry, I'm not going to boast my questions, but I think the questions are pretty good. So, playoff style. My first question was four days ago, if you're listening to this on Monday. Well, you're probably listening to it on Monday because it'll be Tuesday and a half hour, but (laughs) when you're listening to the show. uh, My first question was, which AL team has the best shot to go to the World Series? This was, of course, at the beginning of the ALCS, of which we're now three games into, which we'll get to. And I got nine responses, which is wonderful. You got six for the Kansas City Royals and three for the Toronto Blue Jays. And, you know, it's funny. I find it funny because I would have expected more people to say the Blue Jays, but they didn't. I said Royals. You said Royals. Anonymous said Royals. Adam, Mike Porter, Rich Grove all said Royals. And our three Toronto Blue Jays fans are Nick Gelso, Jared Scally, AJ Kershaw. So, Lauren, why do you think the Royals are the best shot to go to the World Series? Um, just, they're so solid, and I know, like, we'll get to our predictions a little later in the show, but, um, when you asked that question, I was like, there's no way, like, with Johnny Cueto in their lineup, it's just solid, and just, they're scoring runs, they're playing really well offensively and defensively, defensively, so, I, I see them, well, I saw them going to the World Series, but we'll get to that a little later. 
Yeah, they're, uh, I mean, they have the experience now, which is funny to say because they didn't have the experience for, you know, 29 years up until last year, but they went to the World Series last year and lost in seven, and they are in the ALCS now looking to go to the World Series again. So that's why I picked them, because they just had the playoff experience. The, the Blue Jays don't. Most of these guys in the Blue Jays don't have playoff experience. As a team, they haven't been to the World Series in 22 years. So I like Kansas City as having a better shot. This was obviously before the series started. So 6-3 to three in favor of Kansas City. Now my other question was more specific to the Red Sox, and it's something that me and Jared talked about last week, and it's something that people will continue to talk about for a while, especially as long as he's still playing in this season. And that question is, would you want David Price on the Red Sox? Got six responses, got three yes, three no. Really getting some mixed responses on all these questions, which is fantastic. Really liking that. Um, so I got three yes, which was Rich Grove, A.J. Kershaw, and Adam Ballou. And I got three no's, which was Nick Gelso. Lauren Campbell, and Jess Thomas. If you didn't realize, <laughs> Just in case people didn't know. Yeah, in case you didn't know who we were at this point. Speaking of that, you can follow me at CLNS underscore Jess Sayan on Twitter, and you can follow Lauren at... <laughs> <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> la 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 Lauren, four R's. Okay, so three laws, four R's. Got that, people? All right. So that's us on Twitter, and Jared's got another Twitter, and you can follow him, and he can tell you that some other time. All right. Back to Reached. So, split up the middle, three versus three, and we don't want David Price, so since we both don't want him, and then Jared does, so we talked about that last week, got his opinion, which I think is garbage, but that's why I said no, that's why I said no. So why do you not want David Price, my friend? Um, mainly because I feel like with the rebuilding season and how the Red Sox need a solid ace, I feel like a solid ace knows how to pitch in the playoffs. And he clearly does not. So yeah, you can say that. <laughs> I don't. I don't want that risk factor. And it's not that he's not a good pitcher. He's a great pitcher. We and we've seen that. But when it comes to big games and games that matter, it's like, no, nah, I'm just gonna not know how to pitch anymore. And that's just it. I mean, he's 0 7 as a starter in the playoffs. And if he missed last week's show, I can repeat for you what Jared said of why he does want him on the Red Sox, and that's because Jared would rather have a guy who can pitch really well in the regular season and get your team to the playoffs, and then he doesn't care if the pitcher doesn't pitch well in the playoffs. I think that's completely false, because what's the point of getting to the playoffs if you're not going to go anywhere in the playoffs, and if you're 0-7 in the playoffs, what's the point? I don't care how good you are in the regular season. You can get 100 and... Here, Seattle Mariners, for example, 2001. You can get 116 wins, and you can be out just like that. Lost to the Yankees, see ya. That was it. Right away. 116 wins. Fantastic. Great. It's, it's really great. Does anyone care? Nope, because they're not in the World Series. They didn't even get to the ALCS. So, that's my point. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, since he's not here, we can just say I don't get why he says that, because it doesn't make sense to me, and I made that clear last week. But if you can't win in the playoffs, what good are you? Right, and especially in, in the playoffs, like, that's when everything resets. Like, the records don't matter. Stats don't matter. Your ERA doesn't matter. It's all how you perform in the playoffs. Which is exactly right, because, for example, I love using real-life examples, <laughs> Colorado Rockies in 2007, they had a really average regular season. Well, they finished the regular season winning 21 out of 22 games, the 21-1 record, which never happens in baseball, and then they went to the World Series against the Red Sox. They lost, but they went to the World Series, and they were incredible. And that was after being such an average team. So what did they do? They had an average regular season. They completely flipped around and turned it on in the playoffs, it got to the World Series. That's what matters. Yep, that's exactly what matters. It doesn't matter what you can do in the regular season if you're a playoff contending team. All you have to do is get into the playoffs. So if I'm talking David Price, why would I get him when I could get another good pitcher of equal caliber as him and have him be able to pitch in the playoffs? Because then he's made. Okay, even if he's a little bit worse than David Price, say but still good enough to get you in the playoffs, then you're going to be better off because then the guy can pitch in the playoffs. It just doesn't make sense to me why you would settle for a guy who has never won as a starter in the playoffs. And it's not like it's a small sample size. He's 0-7, which is very significant. Right. He's not 3-4. and four. Like exactly. He has no, no playoff wins. None. 0-7. and seven. His only Oof. playoff win period it was against the Red Sox in 2008 when he came in the last inning and got the win. 
Right. <laughs> which is not a starter, and he did not pitch a full game or even close to it. So, so that's why I agree on that. So if you uh, haven't answered that question yet, we still have a couple of responses left from people. I just asked it a couple of days ago. So make sure and go on and tell us why you think David Price should or should not be in the Red Sox. I think we made a pretty valid argument, but if you disagree, we'd love to hear why. So head over to Reached at www.rechtapp.com, reachedapp.com slash CLNS, and you can engage with your favorite sports podcast on CLNS. You got one for Red Sox, which we we're just talking about. We got one for Celtics, Patriots. So we've uh, partnered with, with Reached to ask these questions, and it's a great way to communicate. We'll answer your questions on the show, as we just did and as I do every week. And it's simple to use. You just download the app at the website I said and just answer the question. That's all you have to do. So go to www.reachedapp.com slash CLNS and answer those questions. All right. So that was fun. That was fun. Had a lot of fun. Now let's have some more fun. I'm ready. Playoffs. So we didn't get you last week, but we'll jump right into where me and Jared left off, which was towards the end of each series. So everyone knows what happens in the first three games of the, of the NLDSs and the first four games of the ALDSs. So we'll start in the National League, because I can, and I will. So Dodgers-Mets. That series was tied at one when we left off way back when, a week ago. And obviously a lot happened because the series went a full five games. But I want to start with the third game because the series was tied at one apiece each team. They split the first two, which brought us into game three, which was on uh, last Monday. That game was actually that the night of the last show, so we just missed it. And that was <laughs> quite an offensive explosion. The teams combined for 20 runs in that game. The Mets won 13-7 to and took a 2-1 to series lead. Most A lot of the runs were in the beginning of this game. Um, the Dodgers got three in the second. Yasmani Grandal had a two-RBI single and another run scored in an error. But then the Mets came back in the bottom half of that inning and got four, courtesy of mainly a Curtis Granderson three-RBI double. Travis Darno hit a two-run homer in the third to make it 6-3, to three. and then Daniel Murphy hit an RBI single, and then Jonas Cespedes hit a three-run homer, and it was 10-3 to three Mets. Somehow, some way, the uh, Dodgers creep back on a couple of home runs by Adrian Gonzalez and Howie Kendrick, but the Mets won 13-7 to seven in that one. Matt Harvey with the win. He pitched not too bad. Five innings, three runs, two earned, seven hits. But Brett Anderson really stunk it up for the Dodgers. And in my opinion, and I get your take on this, the Dodgers were screwed in the first place by having Brett Anderson be your number three starter. Because as good as Clayton Kershaw and Zach Greinke are, Brett Anderson is a very average pitcher. And to have him pitch in a third game that decides who goes up two to one in a five-game series, I think that was their downfall. Yeah, I absolutely agree because that game was crucial. Like you said, the, the series was tied. It's not like the Dodgers were up two nothing or down oh two. You know, they needed somebody they needed a Clayton Kershaw kind of person to pitch game three and when you put average Joe on the mound it's it's that's what happened. <laughs> or average Brett. <laughs> average Brad. <laughs> yeah, I like average Joe better. Yeah, me too. So exactly. So that was big and it put the Mets up two to one in the series. And now the Dodgers, because of losing, well they're gonna do it anyway, but they they pitched Clayton Kershaw in game four on three days rest. And they had to hope that Kershaw and Grinky would both win game four and five um, because of being down two to one because of Brett Anderson. A lot of pressure on that, especially against the good Mets pitching staff. So we went into game four, which was Kershaw's game. And regardless of what happened in the game, which I'll get to in a second, I know we've talked about it a little bit. Um, and I know I brought up <laughs> an insane stat about three days rest, which I'll get to, but I want your thoughts on pitching a guy in three days of rest, no matter who it is. It's it's not smart because all season for the 162-game season, these guys are used to at least five days of rest. And it's hard going out there on three days rest when you pitch, you know, 80s, 90s, even in the hundreds, pitch after pitch. Like, that just takes such a toll on your arm and your shoulder. And I don't think... 
people realize how much rest the, the ligaments and the joints need in order to just get back to, I guess, 100% for their next start. Like, I just think those two extra days are so crucial in the, not the healing process, but the, the rest process. I'm really glad you brought that up about the whole long 162-game season. Because what people don't think about is, oh, these guys are getting three days rest. They should be pitching their best. They're the best pitchers in the league, and they're winning these big games. But they're doing this after a whole six months of already pitching. I'd like to put you out there throwing 100 pitches or more per game every five days for an entire season. Can't yep. imagine, I can't imagine that would be an easy thing to do. And then you're asking a guy to go out there with two, with a, an extra less day of rest and go out there and perform in the biggest game of the season. It doesn't I don't, it doesn't seem fair to me. I don't care who I don't care how good you are because I'm not one of those people that say, "Oh, baseball is easier to throw the ball in your head." Out. You know, that's not not quite how it works. It's a little, little more in depth than that. And pitching on 3 days rest is not easy. So I'm with you on that. It's not I don't think it's a smart thing to do. And the stat that I was talking about, which I'll bring up now, was pitchers in the playoffs since the wild card was introduced in 1995. So the last 20 years, the pitchers getting three days rest, their record, this was, you know, a week ago. What? It's obviously a little different now because it's been done again. But the records was 26 and 39 with an ERA in the mid fours for guys pitching on three days rest. And when I heard the stat, I was listening to people talking about it and someone made a point that these are all the best pitchers because you're not going to pitch an average pitcher on three days rest. So these are the best pitchers in the league with a 13 games under 500 and a mid four ERA. What does that tell you? I think that tells you all you need to know right there. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's not smart yet. People continue to do it despite I'm sure knowing that the stats are out here for everyone to see. If I can see it, the team can see it. Exactly. So it seems flawed to me, but regardless, they decided to pitch Clayton Kershaw on three days rest, and knowing all the playoff struggles he's had, they still did it, and miraculously for them, on the road, he actually performed finally. Only took him this long, but he finally did it. (laughs) It had to happen sometime. It did, and he pitched great. He pitched seven innings, three hits, one run, one walk, eight strikeouts, which should be good enough to win, and it was because the Mets got... Uh, three runs in the third inning, courtesy of Adrian Gonzalez and Justin Turner, the meat of the order. Three runs in the third. Uh, Daniel Murphy had a home run in the bottom of the fourth. We'll get to him some more, but keep keep that name in mind, Daniel Murphy. He hit the home run off Clayton Kershaw, and that was it. The Dodgers won 3-1, to one, and it sent them to Game 5, which was in L.A. So you think, well, the Mets are all lined up. I mean, the Dodgers are all lined up, right? They got, they got a tied series. Kershaw just won. They got Zach Grinke, and they're home. Dun, dun, dun. But, thank you, I was waiting for that. <laughs> That's exactly what I wanted you to do. But what happened? Well, a lot of runs in the beginning. Uh, Daniel Murphy had an RBI double, and the first for the Mets got him up one nothing. And then the Dodgers got two right back in the bottom of the first, Justin Turner and Andre Ethier with RBI singles. And it was 2-1 to one Dodgers. The Mets tied it up in the fourth with a Travis Darno sack fly. And it's... The matchup was uh, Grinky against Jacob DeGrom, and DeGrom's obviously a great pitcher, um, as is Grinky. So it was tied at two, and then dun-dun-dun again. <laughs> that man again, Daniel Murphy, already with an RBI in the game, already a home run off Kershaw. He hit another home run, and he hit it off Zach Grinky in the sixth inning, and that was a 3-2 lead for the, the Mets, and that would be it. They won. Syndergaard came in in the seventh after DeGrom pitched six innings of two-run ball. Syndergaard shut him down, and Jury Similia came in for the last two innings. Their closer gave up nothing, was dominant, and they won 3-2. to two. So after all that, the Mets ended up winning in five, and the Dodgers, the Dodger machine fell. So before we get to the Dodgers, let's talk some Daniel Murphy, because I'm going to get into him more as, the, as we go on here. But just in this series, he hit home runs off former Cy Young winners Clayton Kershaw and Zach Greinke. After being a pretty, I don't know, I don't want to say average player because he is a good player, but he's obviously not like an upper echelon player. He hits like 275 and hits like 15 home runs or whatever. So he's not like this fantastic player, but he really came to play in that series and was a gigantic factor for them. 
Absolutely. And goes back to what we were saying a few minutes ago. Like it doesn't matter how you perform in the regular season <laughs> because he's just like, I'm going to hit home runs off everyone. And he's just, he's so dominant right now. Like he's in the zone. He's just, he's ready for playoff baseball and he's so fun to watch. And we'll get to him more because <laughs> believe me, this was not the last home run he hit, which we'll find out in just a bit here when we get to the next series. But Daniel Murphy having himself a postseason. And he got them, he got them that run, that got them the win, and sent them to the NLCS. So the Dodgers are out, and let's just talk for a second about the Dodgers, because every year they're in the playoffs, and every year they're out of the playoffs. Before they know it, they hardly ever get past the first round, yet they have these fantastic pitchers, the two best pitchers in the league, and then some good offensive players. So why do they always lose? I I wish I had the answer for that, because on paper, they have these, like this this lineup and this rotation that should, I guess, just not really cruise through it, but it shouldn't go these, like, I don't know, when you have names like Granky and Kershaw and you have Gonzalez in your lineup, it's just like, oh, yeah, like it's they're threatening players. And then they get, they're out of the playoffs every year, and it's just those poor L.A. fans. Yeah, that's exactly it. I was actually thinking about this question uh, earlier today. I was, I was pondering what I was going to say of why they always lose. And like you like you came up with, I didn't come up with much because what you want, the key to playoff success is to have great pitching. And they have two of the best pitchers in the league, yet they still don't win. It's it's incredible. It's mind-boggling. And they had Kershaw for a number of years, so it's not like they just got these two new brand-new ace pitchers. Like, these are guys been here before and lost before. So they keep losing, and... I don't know if Don Mattingly's not, not a good manager or if they just don't have the right pieces together at the right time. I don't know what it is, but they just they can't seem to win. And Zach Greinke's going to opt out and test free agency. So, I mean, they were built to win, and then they don't do it. So, whatever that means. <laughs> <laughs> whatever that means is right, because your guess is as good as mine with that team. Yeah, they're a mystery. Never makes sense when teams just don't win, but they're one of them. So that's that series, Mets in five, uh, and their opponent in the NLCS could have been the Cubs or Cardinals. Um, and as we were doing the show uh, last week, it was a one-to-one series, but the Cubs and the Cardinals were in progress in their game three, and it was really high scoring at that point. It was Jake Arrieta's game, and he gave up. A couple of runs early on in that game and ended up getting the no decision. Yeah, he had no decision in that because he gave up a lot of runs, but they didn't they didn't lose that game uh, because they kept hitting those home runs and um they took that game. I'm trying to the final score here was uh. Having all kinds of trouble currently. <laughs> Sorry. Computer troubles. Okay. Okay, it was eight to six was the final. Okay. Yeah, so it was a one to one series, and then that game was in like the fifth inning when we stopped the show last week. So at that point, it was four to two Cubs after Chris Bryant hit a home run. Then Anthony Rizzo hit a home run right afterwards, made it five two Cubs. Then Jason Hayward hit a home run for the Cardinals, and it was 5-4 Cubs. Then Jorge Soler hit a home run in the sixth inning, the bottom of the sixth inning, like back-to-back-to-back, all these every half inning. That made it 7-4 to four Cubs, and then Dexter Fowler hit a home run and made it 8-4, and then Steven Viscotti for the Cardinals hit a home run and made it 8-6. So, home run derby. Home run derby is right. In total in that game, there's 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8 home runs total, and six of them were the Cubs. This was a playoff record, six home runs, and funny enough, they did that for Jake Arrieta, who pitched five and two-thirds and gave up four runs, which is not like him at all, but the Cubs hit Michael Walker, and that's unlike him, too, so a lot of offense in a game you'd expect to be low-scoring, but the Cubs went up two-to-one in the series. Just what power, right? That was unreal, and that was such a fun game to just go back and watch the highlights for because it was just every other highlight was home run, home run, home run, home run. And it was like, that's what you want to see in playoff games. And of course you want to see like good defensive plays, but when there's 
a lot of scoring and it just gets the fans so into it. And you can even tell just like watching and just hearing how loud everyone is. It makes for great baseball. And young guys too. That's the thing. It was Starlin Castro. He was like 23. Chris Bryant, rookie. Anthony Rizzo, been in the league for like three or four years. Uh, Kyle Schwarber, rookie. Like these are all young guys who were like 22, 23 years old. And they're all mashing these massive home runs in the playoffs. So, some to behold for sure. Which brought us into Game 4. And the Cubs did not wait around for Game 5. They didn't even want to go back to St. Louis. They took it from the Cardinals 6-4 to in Game 4. Uh, the Cardinals got up 2 nothing on a Piscotti two-run homer again. But in the bottom of the second, funny inning for the Cubs. Jason Hamill, the pitcher, got an RBI single. And then Javier Baez, who was filling in for... Um, Addison Russell, who was our starting shortstop normally, who was injured and he's out for good now. Javier Baez came in, hit a three-run homer in the bottom of the second inning to put him up four-two. Now that inning was just crazy because the Cardinals had him on the ropes at the beginning of the game. They were playing better and they were thinking about taking Hamill out after like two innings, and then he ended up coming up with guys on base and <laughs> got an RBI single, and then Baez hit the big blast. Like total turnaround from what could have happened in the beginning of that game. Uh, it's funny how things work. You never know. I mean, you never know what can happen in baseball. It can change so quick, as we saw in this game. Because they were talking about the radio. They're like, if if uh, if one more guy gets a hit for the Cubs before Hamill, they might take him out and pinch hit for him in the second inning. <laughs> and then he hits, and then he gets an RBI. It's like, whoa. Hold it's like, on. No, never mind. <laughs> we're just talking about taking this guy out. Yeah, apparently not. So put him up four to two. The Cardinals came back, tied the game in the sixth inning, four to four, but. Home runs, home runs, home runs. Anthony Rizzo hit a home run in the sixth. Kyle Schwarber hit another home run in the bottom of the seventh, and that was all they needed. The Cubs won six to four. Uh, John Lackey started that game and gave up four runs in three innings. And guess what he did? He pitched on three days rest. Dun dun dun. And pitched like crap. So point point proven. Kershaw, great. He did that. Great for him. John Lackey did this, and that just proves the point that we're making. That was not a good idea. Great pitcher, great playoff pitcher, but still lost. So Those extra two days, they do so much. Yeah, don't pitch on three days rest. It's a bad idea. So the Cubs won 6-4. to four. They won in four and headed to the NLCS to play the Cub, uh, the Mets. Cubs versus Mets. Cubs versus Cubs. Cubs versus Cubs. Hunter win Cardinals, gone after the first round. So sorry for them. But... That was the that's the NLDSs, so you're caught up now on that. Now let's head over to the ALDSs. Both those series were tied two to two when we did the show. So they both had a game five, and me and Jared made predictions, and I predicted the Astros to beat the Royals and the Rangers to beat the Jays. So Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> safe to say I was just a little bit wrong about that, and I'll admit it. I was going with the underdogs. It was unlikely that Houston was going to win on the road, and Texas was playing in Toronto. So it was it was against the grain, and I understood that, but I went with it anyway. And it came back to bite me in the butt, and that's okay. But first, let's talk about the Toronto series first, because that ended first. Now, this game was a game, and that's all you can say about it, because <laughs> it was absolutely insane. Not the beginning part. The beginning part was normal. Uh, it was 2-2 two to two after six innings. Encarnacion tied the game at two after six. And then the seventh inning is where it got weird, weird, weird. So in case you missed it over the last week, and I hope you didn't because it was nuts, uh, it was the longest inning ever, and not more could have happened. It's probably the best way to put it. So it started out... Uh, Rubnet Odor was at third base for the Rangers, and Shinsu Chu was at bat. And there was a pitch thrown, and Russell Martin threw the ball back to the pitcher, and it hit Chu's bat and rolled out along the third base line. Odor was very aware, and he went home. Well, nobody knew what to do because they didn't know what was going on because the ball hit the bat. Well, after reviewing and figuring it out, they figured out that it was legal. He could score because the ball was live because it wasn't interference by Chu because he was just standing there. So that caused mass hysteria. They did a replay review. Uh, 
Toronto fans threw stuff on the field, and everyone was angry, and it was absolutely insane. Now, after that happened, uh, Toronto came to the plate in the bottom of the seventh inning, tied the game at three, and then Jose Batista hit a monstrous three-run homer to put Toronto up 6-3, to three, which would be the final score. And he did a massive bat flip, which has been talked about for ever until now and still is being talked about. And that caused some controversy because Texas didn't like it. Their pitcher, Sam Dyson, took exception to it, and he was talking to Edwin Encarnacion, who was trying to calm down the Blue Jays fans who were going nuts. And the benches cleared because Batista showing off, and then there was more controversy and trying to figure everything out and just stuff everywhere in the field. They're out there with trash bags trying to pick it up. Now, the Royals won 6-3. to The Royals? <laughs> the Blue Jays won 6-3. to three. It's midnight, guys. <laughs> the Royals... Wow. <laughs> the Blue Jays, thank you, won 6-3. to three. Uh, They beat Cole Hamels. Marcus Stroman pitched for Toronto. Didn't get the win, but he pitched very well. And the Blue Jays won, but you got to feel bad for, for, for Texas because they're right in the game. They had the lead, and then all that garbage happened, and then Batista hits the big blast, and that's it. I mean, and the biggest thing was that Toronto won the last three games to win the series after losing the first two at home. They won two in Texas and then this game. So resiliency by the Blue Jays. It was very unlikely to win all three games, but they did it, and boy, was there a lot of controversy. Oh, it sure was, and I didn't actually get to watch that game until after I got home. So. Everyone, I was, was all over Twitter, like the, the bat flip and everyone going crazy in Toronto. So when I got home and I watched it, I was like, when the fans reacted the way they did, I understand like emotions are high and it's playoff baseball, but that's just embarrassing for the fans, the team, and both teams, really. It's like, I, are you really that upset over one call that you're going to trash the entire field and delay the game? It shows how they don't, they haven't been in the playoffs very often, don't know how to. <laughs> handle themselves <laughs> <laughs> they don't and it's and even the, the blue jay players are coming out of the of the dugout it's like stop like what are you guys doing just stop yeah they're all like waving up to the upper deck being like hey guys like, like can you stop stop <laughs> and, <laughs> and, your professional fan base or not yeah and it's like you know act like you've been there before but i know it's hard for them but i i don't know and i feel like all of a sudden, everyone was all of a sudden so happy when Jose Bautista hit that home run. And I don't, I mean, I know you, it, the, the bat flip has been just talked about across all sorts of media, but I loved it. I, I thought I had no problem with it. He got excited. He was celebrating. And you didn't see any Toronto fans throwing trash then. So. Yeah, I mean, it's. I'm fine with the bat flip. It's playoff baseball. It's exciting. I don't have any problem with that. But I have a problem with the fans throwing stuff in the field because that's just, like, come on. Like, grow up. Exactly. It's so – I can't – I mean, ugh. It just – it makes me mad because you everyone's there for the same reason. They're there to enjoy the playoff game. You're there to root for your team. And it's Toronto's fans trashing their own field. Like, what are you doing? That's your team. Right. And it's not like it was – they reviewed the play. Like, it wasn't, like – like it was legit. It was in the rule books. They like referenced the rule, so it's not like it was some like big outrage where they sort of like stormed the field and it's, it's so unnecessary. I, I was like, come on. <laughs> it, it really was, and I I yes. hope that this doesn't happen further into the playoffs. And I just I don't know. It's it's just ugh, so stupid. Just respect your team, respect the field, and respect the people around you too. Like. There's families around, there's kids, and they're there to the, have did fun. Did you see the kid getting hit in the face with a beer? I didn't, but I heard about it. Yeah, so someone threw a beer can from the top row, and they hit a baby in the face with a beer can. Ugh. Really? Come on. It's like you just never know who's around. Well, it's the thing, you can't take risks like that because you know, anything could happen. It's, it's, a, it's a baby. Like You could have some old person there who has like some problem with their head or something. You could hit them with a beer and like knock them out. Like you don't know what could you know. Right, and then you know it's it's another thing. Exactly, just grow up. And you're spending all the money to be there. You're spending all the money on that beer, and (laughs) it's just like stop, just stop. It's just sit down and enjoy the game. You can scream profanities, you can yell, you can boo. Don't throw stuff. Just really, we're not children. 
Apparently they are children. So which gets me actually to this point, I just want to bring it up now because it's what we're talking about. Um, game three of that series, we'll get to the whole series, but game three of the series is was uh, tonight, on Monday, and the Blue Jays banned beer cans in the upper deck after, because of what happened in this game. They were serving beer in plastic cups, and they said they reserved the right to stop beer sales after the fifth inning in case anything happened. Now, is this is this necessary? Is it a huge overreaction, or is it necessary because the fans are so dumb? I mean, I don't have a problem with them being in plastic cups. I know, I know Fenway has cans and plastic cups. I think they even have bottles too. But I think the plastic cups is a good idea, just because it, you know, if you throw a plastic cup over the the upper deck and it hits someone, it's not going to cause the kind of damage a, a can would. And I mean, after the fifth inning, I. I don't know. I think maybe that's a little overreaction, but I know, I know here in Fenway, it's after the seventh inning they don't serve beer anymore, right. and I, I don't know if in Toronto if, if there was a limit or if you could drink the whole whole game. But I, I don't think. I mean, maybe a little bit of an overreaction, but I like that they did away with the cans because I think it should just be served in plastic cups around every ballpark. Yeah, I agree. I guess they felt they they just had to do it. They had to do something because it was so pathetic and so over the top and unnecessary. So I guess they just felt like they had to do something. And when I first read it, I was like, I thought it said they they uh, banned beer cans and I mean beer total. I was like, oh, they're not just not serving beer anymore. All right, like whoa, take it a little far. So it yeah, they didn't take it that far, but still, it was a little a little interesting. And it just saw that today, so it was pretty weird. But and it's weird relevant. that. Is it just no cans in the upper deck, but you can have cans like... Yeah, it's just the upper deck. I think if they're going to ban cans, they should ban it in the whole ballpark because you can still throw a can and damage someone from... Or something. <laughs> from, yeah, from the lower deck for from any seat. Like, somebody could be sitting front row and just throw their beer can at the third baseman or the left fielder, so... Right. Uh, sure, if you're going to do something, like, do it all. Yep. I guess... They're not worried about people in the lower deck throwing beer at someone in the upper deck. Unless they get a heck of an arm. If they do, sign them up to play. So. Yeah, like, oh, that guy can throw. We're going to sign him. center fielder and compete with Jackie Bradley Jr. He'll do that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but not likely, so it's a little strange. But anyway, move on from that. Um, so the Royals uh, take it on themselves into the ALCS. And they are facing the winner of the Royals and Astros. That series is also tied two to two. The Astros had their chance to to uh, win Game Four when they blew a four run lead in the eighth inning. That was their big chance. So they left its chance going to Kansas City, which was tough for Houston because they were sixteen games under five hundred in the regular season on the road. Not good. They faced Johnny Cueto. He gave a two run homer to Luis Valbuena in the second inning. So the Astros looked to be in good shape. But then the Royals got a run back in the fourth and three in the fifth. And Johnny Cueto, after giving up the home run to Valbuena, it was filthy. He retired 19 straight batters. He finished with eight innings pitched, two hits, two runs, no walks, eight strikeouts, and got the win. Kendrys Morales had a three-run homer in the seventh, uh, the eighth for some insurance to put Casey up 7-2. They won 7-2. Now, what are your thoughts on this game? I mean, it was it was tough. It was a good pitching matchup. Houston got the lead, but it's a lot to ask after already being able to put the series away the day the game before, and then having to play in Kansas City against the playoff playoff experience team in Game Five. Yeah, it was. I mean, I was really rooting for the Astros, and I didn't think it'd be it'd be possible for them to get go to Kansas City and win a Game Five, and they didn't, unfortunately. But, they had it all lined up. I mean, McHugh's a really good pitcher. Yeah, it was a great pitching matchup, and it was it was it was a great series. And um, Kansas City just they they know what they're doing. Like I said, they're playoff experienced, and the Astros are still a young team, and they've come pretty far in the past few years. So I they have just, they can learn from this and keep going further next year. But I was I was I was pretty bummed, but it was such a good series to watch. Yeah, I think even though there were three Game 5s and one Game 4, all great series, 
and despite the the Blue Jays winning three straight games, my favorite series was the Royals Astros because all the games were close and they were fun, and the Astros played so well when no one expected them to, and they went all the way down to Game Five. I I enjoyed that series more than any of them. Yeah, it was, it was yeah, probably probably my favorite series too. Yeah, you could have a you could say the Blue Jays was better, but I don't know. Just game to game, I just I was excited for every game of the of the Royals Astros series. It was just a good matchup. It was, and they fought hard. They fought to the end. So, I mean, just look at the scores of the game: five to two, five to four, four to two, nine to six, seven to two. They're all good scores. Right, and it wasn't blowouts. It wasn't you know fifteen to two. Right, like, well, a lot of lead changes too. Like one team leading for most of the game, the other team comes back at the end. It was fun. It's playoff baseball for you. So, yeah, that's your division series wrap-up. Um, three out of the four series to five games. That doesn't happen very often. No, you don't see that. Which was made even more fun than it already was. So that was good stuff. Um, I want to get to Johnny Cueto in just a second. But first, I want to give everyone some DraftKings information. Uh, your season-long fantasy football team may be going strong. But you don't have to wait until week 16 to get paid. Put your fantasy skills to the test every week this season at DraftKings.com, America's favorite one-week fantasy football site. There's no season-long commitments with one-week fantasy. Uh, if you got an injured player, that's no problem because it's a new season every week. You never get stuck with the same players. DraftKings is crowning a new millionaire every week this season. It means you can turn your love of football into the payday of a lifetime. All you got to do is pick players, pile up points, pick up your cash, and that is it. You've never experienced football like this before. It's not fantasy as usual as DraftKings. Welcome to the big time. Hurry over to DraftKings.com now. Use promo code New England and play for free with your first deposit in this Sunday's $1 million fantasy football contest for first place takes home hundred grand. Enter New England for free entry now at DraftKings.com. That's DraftKings.com. Head over there. It's extremely popular. They've just taken off big time. They're a big deal. And just head over there and type in New England, and you will be on your way. Now, before we get into the championship series, is just because how Johnny Cueto pitched. Actually, you know what? Put that on hold. I want to talk about that after after we talk about the series. So okay. I want to I want to get get back to that. Sorry, I teased it a little bit there. Not even on purpose. All right, so let's go to the CSs. The CSs. <laughs> the championship. I guess you can call it the LCSs. That's the league, very true. The league championship series. Or championship series, whatever you want. So, let's start with... I'm going to start with the NLCS, just because we started with the NLDS. Um, Cubs-Mets. Mets were the... Okay, here's my first problem. Mets are the home team because they won their division. They had 90 wins this season, and the Cubs had 97, and they're a wild card. So the Mets get home field advantage. They get the first two games at home. I hate this personally. What about you? I, ugh, they need to do something about it because it's kind of like the wild card game to, to decide who's going to the, the ALDS. It's just, you have the Rangers who won. They didn't even win 90 games this year, did they? 87. So, and then you have the Yankees who couldn't even get out of the wild card game. So right. it's something needs to be done. I and I understand the the divisions aren't they're not evenly matched and they're not all going to be really like eight ninety five plus win teams. But when you have the the ninety win team and having home field advantage on a, on a team again who had ninety seven wins and like sixty something losses, it's it's uh, it's terrible. Yeah, it's not fair. And it's funny because I was thinking because I was just thinking record wise, I was like. I was like, ooh, Mets are beating the Cubs on the road. And then I was like, oh, wait a minute. They're not on the road. Right. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking, like, oh, the Cubs are obviously the home team because they had 97 wins. Not the case. Well, the thing is, though, in the NBA, they just switched this in this upcoming season. The top eight seeds, the top eight records are going to the playoffs no matter what the divisions are. So they don't have to have the division team be, in, be the, the uh, three seed, even though the four seed, the five seed, and the six seed are all better. They switched that. So time for the... MLB and the NFL to get into that same mindset and change it as well, because that's what it should be. Whatever your record is, go in that order. So if you got that order, the Cubs would be the better team, which means that they would be the home team. Maybe one day they'll, they'll learn. Yeah. Knowing baseball, it'll probably be like 30 years from now. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, oh, let's get to that guy. This is 2050, and we're going to change that rule. 
Yep. The NBA did it 35 years ago. <laughs> you might as well do it now. Right. So that's that. And the Mets are home. And they took advantage of it. Uh, game one was just a few days ago. The series just getting underway. And the Mets took game one, which is surprising to some people because people are really high on the Cubs, obviously, for obvious reasons. They won God knows when and well, I know when, 107 years, but <laughs> they haven't won in a really long time, and they're the trendy pick to win. So the Mets said, I don't care. Dana Murphy definitely said, I don't care. And in the first inning of that game, he had a home run <laughs> again. No. Off of, guess who? John Lester. <laughs> Another really good pitcher. And then the Cubs tied it in the fifth. But the Mets got the next three runs, including a Travis Darno home run. Kyle Schwarber had another home run at the top of the eighth to make it 4-2. But the Mets won 4-2 behind Matt Harvey. Harvey beat Lester. And, wow, Daniel Murphy, Kershaw, Grinke, Lester. Superman, right? What else can you say? He's just taking these pitchers, these big-name pitchers, these Cy Young-winning pitchers, and just, he's like, who? I'm just going to hit home runs off you, 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 you. <laughs> he, just, he can't stop, and it's becoming quite famous in the process. <laughs> he, he is, and I think uh, I read some stat on him the other day. I wish I just I wish I kept it or remembered it, but it not, like he's some, his home runs are like some kind of record, and it's you think of him, like, he, he plays for the Mets, and it's like people don't. I feel like people don't recognize the Mets as much as they should, and but now that the playoffs, of course they do, but it's like. This guy on this team that nobody really talks about is just lighting up these pictures that everybody knows about. Yep. Yeah, that's exactly what he's doing. So what did he do in game two? Well, after David Wright gave the Mets a one nothing lead, Daniel Murphy stepped to the plate and hit a two-run homer. No. First inning again. Off who? Oh, Jake Arrieta. <laughs> the Cy Young. The, he's going to win Cy Young this year, no question about it. Oh, no doubt. So Clayton Kershaw, Zach Granke, in case you forgot, John Lester, Jake Arrieta. Home runs off all of them. He now has five home runs in the postseason, which is absolutely insane. And the funny thing about it is he's hitting most of them in the first inning and getting – that's what he did in both games of, of the NLCS here. And he's making a huge difference right away. He's putting the other team in a hole, and they can't win because of it. It's like he's not just hitting these off great pitchers. He's hitting them early and often and really killing teams. And that's the key to it, early and often. Get that lead early. So they three nothing lead in the first inning, and what do they win by? Well, they won by three. They got a fourth run in the third inning, and the Cubs got one run in the sixth inning. And Noah Syndergaard shut him down, pitched five and two thirds, three hits, one run. Jake Arrieta five innings pitched, four hits, four runs. So, well, first, yeah. So the Mets, the Mets won, took a two nothing lead, and that's currently where the series stands. Going to Chicago, Mets up two nothing. So Jake Arrieta is going to be Cy Young. He had one of the most incredible years in history, but two games in a row here in the postseason, he's given up four runs and only five innings. So what changed? It's the playoffs. Regular <laughs> <laughs> season doesn't matter, right? <laughs> exactly. It's all about how you pitch in the playoffs. And, you know, he's he's had such a phenomenal season that, and I'm sure by playoffs, these guys are tired. They're burnt out. And, and of course, they, they love being in the playoffs and being in that kind of atmosphere. But at the same time, it's like, oh, God, I'm so tired. And that's the thing with this with this playoff stuff is that, yeah, he's been great in the regular season the last two years, but if he continues this or if he gets another shot this year's playoffs or a couple more shots and he has another couple bad games, then you go into next year, maybe he's back, he pitches a couple more bad games, and then maybe all of a sudden he's 0-5 in the playoffs, and then people are going to start wondering about him too. Exactly. They're going to be like, oh, this guy's terrible. Why would you want him on your team? Right. And just forget about all the regular season success because – doesn't really matter. It doesn't. Playoffs, they just erase everything, and people forget how good you were. And it's it's true though. You you have to be able to perform in the playoffs if you're going to be a star pitcher, star player. That's what they say. They say playoffs is what matters. It's all about the postseason. Nobody cares about your regular season. You're winning World Series. That's everyone's goal. Yep. And if you don't do it, then you're losing. You're not doing your goal. <laughs> yep. As a result, they're down two to nothing. So let's uh, do our predictions for the series after it started here. I'm going to go. 
I really went back and forth on this numerous times. The Mets are already up 2 nothing. They just got to win two games out of five. But the Cubs are a special team this year. They had an incredible regular season. They knocked out the 100-win Cardinals like they were nothing. So I'm going to go Cubs in seven. They really need to win the next game. They probably need to win the next two. But I think they're going to stretch it to seven, and I think they're going to pull it out. I'm going with you, except I'm going Cubs in six. And I know that's a lot to ask for to turn around and win four in a row, but I, I'm really pulling for the Cubs this year. I, I, how can you not? And I feel like they're just, they're ready to come home. They're ready to just put the last two games behind them and they're going to come out with a vengeance. And I think they're just, they're going to go on a tear and I don't think it's going to stop. Not to beat a dead horse and really bold prediction there, but they're going to have to stop Daniel Murphy if they're going to win. They are. And <laughs> they can't I, keep. They can't keep doing this to him. I don't know how they're going to stop him because he he can't be stopped right now. And I I mean I think his streak will come to an end eventually. But I when that is I don't know. And because he just keeps homering off these really good pitchers. Like who can they put out there? Where it's like okay he won't homer off him. Maybe you have to put some average pitcher out there. But you don't want to do that for game three. Well, they are because Kyle Hendricks is pitching and he's really average. He's going to strike him out four times. Probably. <laughs> so that's your game three matchup. You got uh, Kyle Hendricks for Cubs and Jacob DeGrom for the Mets. Oh so you're really going to have to hope for some magic because that matchup really favors the Mets, forcing the Cubs are home. But if the Mets go up 3 nothing, here's the funny thing. I saw it a couple of days ago, and it's really, really crazy if you think about it. The Cubs are trying to break a streak of 107 years. Just like the Red Sox were trying to break a streak in 2004 of 86 years, the Red Sox played the New York Yankees. The Cubs are playing the New York Mets, both New York teams. And what if Chicago goes down three to nothing and then wins four in a row? It's like it's shaping up to be that series. It, it is, and I was thinking about that uh, the other day when I was watching something about the matchups that are coming up, and I was like, oh god, like they have the chance to do what the Red Sox did, and that's just it's crazy to think that. They've gone longer, yes, but it's still, you know, not uh, roughly around the same amount of time. And it's just, I don't know, it's kind of scary that it's almost mirroring it. With Theo Epstein against the New York team, it's crazy. And John Lester. And John Lester. <laughs> no, he wasn't on that team. No, he wasn't on that team, then, <laughs> but it's John Lester. <laughs> he was in the farm system. We'll give him that. Yeah, so it's nuts. It's crazy, and... I mean, if I were them, I wouldn't want to put myself in a 3-0 hole, but it would make it all more exciting. <laughs> yep, and that's, that's going back to what it, what I've been saying. That's the fun in playoff baseball. You just never know. Yep, and they got to win for Back to the Future to be right. So They have to. Yep, Back to the Future 30 years ago picked the, the Cubs to win the World Series in 2015. So if that happens, that would be absolutely nuts. It would be crazy. You, you see Doc Brown wants to throw out the first pitch if the Cubs make the World Series. Oh, really? Yep. That's funny. That'd be great. Yeah, so that's a great story, but I don't think a lot of people expected the Mets to be up 2 nothing. That's what it is right now, so watch out. Big-time big series going on. Dun-dun-dun. And our other series, in the ALCS, Royals against Blue Jays. Um, first two games were in Kansas City, and that did make sense. Kansas City did have more wins in the regular season, and they are the home team, and it's good. So I'm not going to complain anymore about that for now. Uh, game one of that series, Edison, Edison Volquez against Marco Estrada, and Volquez was nasty. Six innings, two hits, no runs. Five Ks, he did walk four, but didn't go up any runs. Estrada did. Um, Kansas City got up two to one, uh, two nothing in the third. Salvador Perez at home run in the fourth, and they ended up winning five nothing. They shut out the big, strong, powerful, mighty Toronto Blue Jays. Get enough adjectives there for you. <laughs> I did. I like the, the voice change, too. Yeah, yeah. That was a good one. So they won. One, uh, 5 nothing. Took a one nothing series lead. That game was pretty much just that. They just scored their runs, and Toronto didn't. That's all they needed. Which brought us into Game 2, where Toronto took the lead. They actually ended up getting up 3 to nothing. Uh, in the first six innings, it was 3 nothing after 6. Uh, David Price is on the mound for Blue Jays. Jordano Ventura, Kansas City's ace, was on the hill for them. Now, Price pitched fantastic through six innings. He was unstoppable. He was pitching really well. But 
the wheels came off, and in the seventh inning, he gave up five runs. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, it was 5-3 to three in a game that Toronto really could have used to win and tie the series up. Price blew it. Kansas City won 6-3. to three. Add another loss, the seventh for David Price. And this is just what we've been talking about. He was good, and then he just fell apart all of a sudden and put them in a 2 nothing hole. You can't have that. No, especially when you're... When you're away and you need to, you need to, if you're down, oh, one nothing and you don't want to come home down oh two. And, uh, David Price, I just, I don't, I can't figure him out. He was so dominant in the game too. He was pitching so well. He was hitting all the spots, so many strikes, and then all of a sudden he just blew it big time. And I was so surprised because when I was watching the game, I was just like, oh good, he's like, he's pitching well. And I was getting the updates on my phone throughout the game. I was like, oh good, he's, he's pitching well. And all of a sudden it's, Oh, they're they're not winning anymore. Okay, okay, there he goes. <laughs> <laughs> Watching them just spiral. Happened really fast. It so. did. Oh boy. Just a bunch of hits right in a row. So two nothing Kansas City, and then game three was tonight, the nineteenth uh, Monday, and this game was pretty nuts. Um, Toronto needed to win to not go down three to nothing, and they did. Uh, they did it real fast. Kansas City got up one nothing in the first, but Toronto got three runs in the second, and then. Kansas City got within three to two, and then Toronto went off in the third inning and got six runs, courtesy of a three-run homer by Troy Tulowitzki and a two-run homer by Josh Donaldson. Ryan Goins added one later to make it ten to four, and it was eleven to four. The Kansas City didn't give up; they got four runs in the ninth inning, including a Kendrys Morales two-run homer, but they, it's all they could get. And the Jays won eleven to eight and took uh, they. Cut the lead in half. It's now two to one Royals, with Game Four coming up. Um, so now I want to get into Johnny Cueto because that's why I wanted to wait for it because he pitched so well against the Astros in Game Five, eight innings, two runs, like we said. In this game, he pitched two innings and gave up eight runs. So he totally flipped it: eight runs, two in- eight innings, two runs, two innings, eight runs. He was terrible, garbage. Couldn't have been worse. So. Another guy has had some trouble in the postseason. He's had a few games, good games too, but he's had his troubles. Is this the guy you want in the Red Sox? I would pick him over David Price because he can win in the playoffs. And I like, I love Johnny Cueto. I really think the Red Sox should make a push to get him. And he's solid in the regular season, and he's decent in the postseason. And I would rather have somebody who's decent in the postseason than somebody who is terrible in the postseason wins, and, can't, yeah. and can't win. They literally cannot win. Yeah, I'm with you. I'd rather have him than Price. He's is a really good pitcher. I mean, he's had some really good ERAs in the regular season. His his uh, record never shows it because he's on a crappy team in the Reds. But he's definitely a really good pitcher, and it would have bolstered our argument a lot better if he didn't have this terrible game today. Because that definitely hurt him, and they could have gone up three to nothing. But he's a little erratic for me. He's Kind of all over the place, which kind of worries me. I might pick someone else before him. I would pick him over Price, but I'm concerned with him too. These guys are just too inconsistent, and it's it's not good. So we'll see. But that catches you up. That series is two to one. So we got a prediction for this series too, and it looks like we're going different here. Um, as you said at the beginning of the show, in the reach questions, I thought Kansas City had the best shot to go to the World Series, and getting up two to nothing for that argument even more, and despite Toronto winning tonight, I, I've got Kansas City in six, and I think it'll be a Royals-Cubs World Series. I'm taking Toronto in seven, and I know I, I answered the reach question with Kansas City, and just watching the 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 DS series with Toronto, I just feel they had they have more fire in them now, and they they want to get to the World Series, and they want to get past the Royals, and I feel. I feel they will. I don't think it's going to be easy. Clearly, I think they're going to win in seven games. But um, after winning tonight, I think that's going to give them a lot of momentum to keep it going. And I think we're going to see this one go to seven. I think the Royals are too good. I don't think Toronto can keep up. I guess we'll see. I'm hoping for Jays-Cubs. I think that would be such a fun that's what, series. That's what everyone wants, yeah. But Royals and Cubs would be fine, too. I mean, that would be fun to watch, too. As long as the Cubs are in it. That'd probably be Royals-Mets. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they got crap. 
The Mets are just good though. They just they're just a good team. They are, and, and they fooled me. They I was wrong. If you listen to past shows, I said that I thought the Mets were going to fizzle out early. I didn't think they'd be ready for the postseason spotlight, and then Daniel Murphy arrived. So yep. I mean, we also said that we thought the Nationals would be in the playoffs. <laughs> so you know, a lot can happen. Yes, it can. You never know. So so two nothing Mets and two to one Royals currently. That's your updated. LCSs. Now we just got a couple minutes left here. We're just going to wrap up with a couple notes in the in baseball. Just two notes. Um, news today: Barry Zito retired after 15 seasons. 37 years old currently. He finished his career with 165 wins. He was 165 and 143. The 405, sorry, 404 ERA. Um, he only pitched three games in the last two years. He didn't pitch at all last season. But he won 15 games in 2012, which included their World Series win. And he won the Cy Young in 2002. Had nearly 2,000 strikeouts for his career and a three-time All-Star. Great career for him. He's always a great pitcher to watch. Great curveball. He was he was a good one. Oh, absolutely. I was going to say I loved his curveball. And I didn't realize that he played for 15 seasons. I knew it had been a while. But when, uh, when I saw 15 seasons, I was like, wow. That's and he's that's a solid stats you gave for a really good career. Yeah, 165 wins is nothing to sneeze at, and Cy Young, World Series, World Series win, All Star. He, eh. he was 23 and five in that Cy Young season. He's had some darn good seasons. And yeah, he's it's all fun- right. <laughs> it's funny the World Series, uh, the uh, um, his, his curveball is just. Like, when I would play in my backyard, I'd be like, oh, Barry Zero curveball. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, nah, nope, not quite. But. I try to, like, recreate it. i just throw the ball way up in the air, and it would just land <laughs> harmlessly. And I'd be like, oh, yeah, Barry Zito. And he just flicked that thing. Boy, it was nasty. 12 to 6 is just – and he got that he got that nasty leg kick. He really flung his leg up, and he just fired that curveball. Really good stuff. I was worried he was going to tear a hamstring or something. <laughs> anyway, he, really kicked, he really kicked his leg really, really violently. He did. I was like, oh, boy, he's going to dislocate a knee or something. <laughs> But he stayed pretty healthy throughout his entire career, so. He did, and like I said, I know he didn't pitch last year, but it, so it's a name you didn't really hear often, but hats off to him for an amazing career. Yeah, he was good. It's good for you, Barry Zito. There are other news, um, sad news. Uh, Tigers lefty Daniel Norris, a young pitcher, he's, I think he's 23 years old, uh, he revealed today on Instagram that he had test thyroid cancer. It would get treatment, treatment. He found out two months ago that he had it, but he decided to keep playing baseball to get his mind off of it, and he was told that he could get it treated in a couple months. So he's getting it treated now. Now, he's a great story because I don't know if you read the ESPN, the magazine story on him, but he lives out of a van in a Walmart parking lot, and he's completely comfortable with it. He just lives in a van and does things his own way and doesn't let money get to his head, and he just does things his own way, and he's a really unique guy. And I thought that was a really cool story. So it's sad that he's has to deal with cancer now. It looks like it should be treatable, but sad story overall. Oh, very sad. And just just to hear he had it for the last two months, I feel like, and I I understand why he wanted to keep playing through because he said it got his mind off of it. But I feel like that's just news like that would personally like weigh me down. And I think I think that proved to be too much of a distraction to even try to go out and start pitching again. Yeah, I feel like most people would just say, "I want the treatment." Yeah, right let's away. start now. Let's just get this out of the way, yeah. But good for him for coming out and talking about it, and hopefully yeah. he can recover and get back. I and mean, he's a unique guy, obviously, with the whole van story, and he's obviously does things differently than most people, so I guess waiting two months to do cancer is another way to do something differently, so. <laughs> yeah, it's he's absolutely. He's a unique guy, yeah. Like, yeah, I'm going to be a 22-year-old pitcher who lives in a van in Walmart. Like, it's 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 a fun story. Did you read the story? I I read bits and pieces, like just tidbits off of it. Yeah. But I did know like that he was with the van guy. He shaves his beard with an axe. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> like he's he's unique, and you know I'm looking at a picture of him now. You would never guess that he lives out of a van and shaves his beard with an axe. Yeah, he just decided he wanted to, he wanted to do things his own way, and you know he would go to the he'd go to the mall with his friends or whatever, and they would get. They'd get like thousands of dollars worth of stuff because they had all this money from their signing bonuses, and he'd go buy like fourteen dollars worth of clothes and be like, "Oh, that was a lot." <laughs> Good for him for thinking that way. It's just like he—he's not going to regret that when he's older and <laughs> well, he wants to retire at thirty-five years old. Right, and he's, he's got good. money, and other people have already blown it. 
He's going to be like, oh, look at all this money I have in my back of my van. I'm going to go shave, shave my beard with an axe. <laughs> That's the thing that now he's going to be known as a cancer survivor instead of the van guy. Hopefully he can be known as both because the van's a fun story. But hopefully he can recover and continue being the van guy because it's a good story. It is. It's one of those like feel-good stories. Exactly. So hopefully he can, keep, he can keep writing a feel-good story. I'm glad that he could keep his uniqueness despite having fame. It's great. I love when That's I hear I like. stories like that. It's, it's definitely good. All right. Well, that will do it for this week. I want to remind everyone to go get your Casper mattress. You get $50 off a mattress and uh, by going to casper.com slash Celtics and your promo code Celtics. Um, Lauren's going to go sleep right now and <laughs> get the Casper Lite benefits from her bed. And maybe she'll even get a Casper mattress herself. There's, they're really good, really good mattresses and, and – uh, you can get a deal on them, so buy it online risk-free and, and uh, try it out. Um, so that's it. Red Sox beat. Um, Warren Campbell over here, Jess Thomas, late night show. We did it. We talked playoffs. It's fun. And the playoffs will keep getting more exciting as time goes on. So keep up here on Red Sox Beat. Follow us on Red Sox Beat, under, sorry, Red Sox underscore Beat on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, iTunes, Stitcher. Check us out. We're going to keep pounding out these shows week to week in the off season, and we hope you keep listening and keep supporting. So, Lauren, have a great night. You as well. All right, everyone. See you next week. <laughs>